Hey there, if you are ready to build your service-based business from scratch and ditch your nine to five, then I want you to head on over to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap and download my free ultimate leap checklist and starter kit. Again, you can head to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap to download my ultimate leap checklist and starter kit to get started on building your service-based business and ditching your nine to five. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Bolin, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Hey, She Did It Her Way listeners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I am super excited to be sitting down with today's guest. She is someone that when I ask you guys, who would you like me to bring on the show and who would you like me to interview? And her name is Jenna Kutcher. You may have heard of her before once or twice or a handful of times, but super excited, honored, and grateful that she is spending some time with us on She Did It Her Way. So Jenna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love listening to your show. So this is super exciting to be on it. Yay. Well, thank you. And just to catch us up to speed and in your own words, tell us what it is that you do today. So today what I do, I'm a podcaster, I'm an educator and a photographer, and I'm based in a tiny little town in Wisconsin of 12,000 people. I love working from home in my yoga pants. And my biggest goal is to inspire other women to lead profitable, authentic, sustainable businesses so that they can get back to what they love in their lives. Love it. Love it. Give us the 10,000 foot view of your entrepreneurial journey. And you obviously have a podcast and you share so much of it. So I just want to cover 10,000 foot view of your journey. And then I really want to get into some of the the nitty gritty of entrepreneurship and how you've handled your, your journey and everything of that nature. Sounds good. So I went to college in Wisconsin at a pretty small college and I always thought I wanted to do business. And it was so funny because I initially signed up for pre-med. I told myself I wanted to be a surgeon. And then when I realized how long med school is, I very quickly switched over. And so Since then, I had this dream or this expectation of what success as an entrepreneur was going to look like. And at the time, I was more looking at the corporate world. So I saw women in corner offices with business suits and high heels, and I thought that that was what success looked like. And so I landed a job with Target. I thought that it was going to be this awesome job. I got into that corporate America world, and I hated it. And I remember sitting down with my boss, and she was saying, you know, we're really priming you to move up quickly. And, you know, you definitely have to dress the part. And I realized right then, why the heck was I dreaming about power suits? I love yoga (laughs) pants and comfortable shoes and sneakers and not high heels. And so I started to reshape what success was going to look like. And I didn't quite know what my exit ticket was going to be out of the corporate world. I just knew that I had to find something. And so that something came in the form of a $300 camera from Craigslist. And I started a blog. I became passionate about photography. I'd never taken a single course or a class on it. 
And when I started my blog, then my business began and I knew in order to get out of corporate America, I had to really hustle and match that corporate salary. And so I hustled and booked 25 weddings as a brand new wedding photographer, put in my two weeks notice. And that was kind of the start of it. And then I went on to have a lot of successful years as a photographer. I've been a photographer for six years now, photographed over 125 weddings. And I started to realize that once again, I was climbing a ladder and it wasn't leading towards where I wanted it to go. So I was pursuing more, 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 more weddings, more income and more work. And I knew that I had to pivot. I had to make a change. And so I started to realize that starving artists, that's a really real thing. And that there are so many talented people that don't know how to make a living doing what they love. And I started to realize that my real superpower was in creating businesses that are authentic, but also profitable. And so that's where the education piece of my business started. And over the last few years, it's really blown up. Um, along came the Gold Digger podcast, which I'm so excited about, so passionate about. And that is where we land today, which is where I do my best work hanging out at home in my yoga pants and creating content to help other entrepreneurs really find success, whatever that definition looks like for them. Yes. Oh, and you guys, if you have not checked out Jenna's podcast, you most definitely need to. The fantastic episodes in SolarCast that you do, Jenna, they're packed chucked pack full of information and everything. So thank you for doing those. Um, it's so funny. So you were an ETL at Target? Yes, ma'am. Same. What? Um, Stop. Yeah, I did it. So when I left the University of Iowa, I went and did a year at a West Des Moines store. Oh um, my gosh. You we... know what I'm talking about. I was <laughs> yes. the ETL of Softlines. Shut and we up. Created- a really small store. So soft lines for people that don't know is the clothing. And we were a tiny store. So I had to oversee our food Avenue and our Starbucks. So I was, you know, ETL soft lines and guest experience. And then I did HR and I actually really enjoyed HR. I love systems and I love people, but there is so much more when you are in the stores that you are like a glorified team member who's expected to get all of this office work done with no time to do it. <laughs> yeah, I you definitely summed that up quite well. I remember with um I met a couple of my best friends working at at Target and it was Christmas time and we're like, "Well, we are just overpaid stock workers and we are glorified." Like, yes, you are wearing so many different hats and running around and I don't know about you, but it was now in hindsight, it's, it was such good experience, but definitely grateful to have moved on from a retail environment that has you working, that had you working like 60 plus hours and every other weekend and holidays and whatnot. Yes, I know. We joke now because both my husband and I were both in retail and now we look at holidays and we're kind of like bah humbug just because <laughs> So many of our memories were around working around them. And now we're like, we just want to be home and relaxed and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, we will do Amazon click. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> so then I don't have to, yeah, you don't have to go out. So, um, okay. Let's start with, if you were to break down your journey of entrepreneurship and the years that you've been an entrepreneur in chunks of time based on your growth and learning experience and overall building a business, how would you describe each of those chunks of time? And then dive a little bit into each of them of like the lessons that you've learned, just so that we can set the stage on where some of my listeners might be at in their their journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah. So looking back, I would say 
the first three years were the hustle years and I truly glorified busy. And I think that that is something that a lot of us get caught into is, you know, when somebody asks you how you're doing and you're like, I'm so busy. And as a business owner, a lot of people attribute that to success, but a lot of times it's a true lack of systems and intention. And so when I first started as a wedding photographer, I did 25 weddings and then 27 weddings. And then the next summer I did 30 weddings. And while I was moving, up in terms of income and work. I was also moving up in terms of anxiety and just being overworked, not being able to disconnect. And so I never really protected my mental health. I never really continued to have passions that weren't making me an income. And so my entire world was revolving around my laptop and my camera. And I mean, I wouldn't trade the that season for the world because I learned so much. But when I think about that season, it was with utter exhaustion. And I think after that, I knew that something had to change. I hit this total point of burnout. And Drew and I had a conversation. I've always been the breadwinner in our relationship. And he's always been just this incredible support in that. And I remember hitting that burnout and saying, Like I have to cut back or else I would be crawling back into that windowless office because I miss it because I miss being able to disconnect. And so we decided to cut my wedding workload in half and cut our income in half. And I was willing to trade that money to get back time. And so that second season of my entrepreneurial journey was all about just getting passionate again and pursuing other passions. And I think that so often we start businesses and we're known for one thing. I was the Wisconsin wedding photographer and there were other things that were calling for my attention, but I didn't have the time to devote to them. And it was during that season of more rest and just more balance that I started to pursue other things. I started to paint and work on calligraphy just for fun. And then I started to focus on education and I would have never been able to do any of those things, which are all pieces of my business and my story if I would have never given myself the time and the space and the margin to do that. And following that season is where I currently find myself. And we are just working on building and automation. And so looking at how can we serve people in the best way while preserving my energy, my creativity, and letting me work on the pieces of my business where only I can serve. And so that's looked like building an actual team, going from being a solopreneur to actually having a team of women behind me, and then figuring out like, what is it? that is the things that only I can do in my business and how am I prioritizing my time to make the most of it. And so truly seeking balance um, is something that we are working towards while we continue to grow and expand the empire that we've built. Mm-hmm. What has been through the the three seasons that you've gone through, um, what's been one of the toughest or hardest things that maybe you had to say no to something in order to take your business to the next level that in that moment when you were saying no, it seemed like it was really big. Um, but now in hindsight, it was necessary for you to grow. 
You know, I find that we say no all the time. (laughs) So even in that question, I'm like, we say no every single day to awesome opportunities. And what I think happens a lot of times is that you hear these stories of people that had this one big break. And then you start to believe that, you know, it's like kismet, like everything is that one big break, or it could be that one big break for you. And I, I truly don't think that those one big break things actually exist. I think overnight success is a total lie. And so what's so interesting is once I started to get a team, I started to get help with my inbox. And now I have somebody helping decipher what is an actual fit and a true opportunity versus what is something that you might have FOMO on or like feel Mm. like you should have done. And so we protect the word yes for the best yeses. And we are constantly saying no to things because I have learned over the last six years that it is best to bet on myself and to invest in myself. And a lot of those quote opportunities are truly just to further other people's brands and endeavors. And so you have to start putting your head down just a little bit more. And so it's been really awesome having almost a gatekeeper of my time, my calendar, and kind of seeing that overall picture of what are my biggest goals. And if this is in alignment then say yes. And if it's not, or if we cannot tie that to those big goals, then it's a very easy no. Mm-hmm. And at what like what stage, I know when you're talking about before, when in the first three years was the hustle years, um, mm-hmm. do you, when you think of that and people are listening and they're in their the first three years of starting their business, is there a way to do the first years to not hustle and still get to that, that second mark. Yeah. I mean, I always struggle because I feel like so many successful entrepreneurs, specifically women talk about hitting burnout. And my job as an educator is like, how can we truly teach people to avoid that stage? Because it is so hard to go through. And so part of me thinks that there are going to be those people that need to be forced to slow down and hit that stage in order to truly make change. But the other part of me believes that if you can truly listen to people that are ahead of you on this journey and listen to the lessons that they are sharing and take them to heart, you can avoid that. And so when I look at it, I think that I had a lack of systems, but I also had a high level of self-importance. So I believe the lie that only I could do everything. Only I could edit the photos. Only I could blog the photos. Only I could respond to emails. And while I think it's a beautiful thing to feel important in your role, it's also a way more beautiful thing to understand that you can ask for help. And my asking for help muscle had not been flexed at all until it was forced to be flexed when we went through some personal stuff when we had our first miscarriage. And I realized like I cannot do this by myself. And if I stop working, my business stops running. And that's a really big problem that a lot of people don't face until they have to. Mm -hmm. What are some, as a business owner, like key metrics, KPIs that you track, that you look at every week, every month, every day to ensure that you're staying on course for the goals that you have either said at the beginning of the year or six month goals. 
You know, I think the easiest one are to look at sales and then to look at leads. So how many people are we getting onto our email list and how many sales are we making? And I think that nowadays we are so consumed with social media. So we love to look at followers and engagement and all of that crap. But that stuff is not moving the needle in your business the way that getting new leads onto your email list are and how you're actually converting those leads into customers. And so those are the two main things that I like to focus on because all of the other numbers are just trivial. They're impossible to track. I could look at podcast downloads, but that's not actually telling me how many of those people are truly a member of my tribe are truly engaging with my content and how many are those just people tuning in. And so I try to really look at metrics that are showing us if we're moving the needle over metrics that just maybe are an ego boost or make me feel good. Um, and I challenge my team to do the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, with So the key metrics between the ego and moving the needle, which is so it's so true. And I love how you point that out, that just because someone has so many X amount of followers, is that really actually growing and producing revenue? And are we creating Mm -hmm. profits from that? What are some things that you do that you've worked in into your like personal routine or like on certain days you do X, Y, and Z that you found yourself to be on this routine to make you the most productive? Mm -hmm. So, we have experienced two miscarriages. And after our second miscarriage, I started to seek the help of a fertility doctor. Um, and she's a naturopath. And so when we started to do the test, I realized that my cortisol levels were super high, which is the stress hormone. And it was so funny because I actually don't feel stressed in my business. But I also think that I've worked at such a high level for so many years that maybe I just thought that was normal. And so she started to challenge me to really look at not reducing stress because stress is usually things that we cannot control, but manage stress better. And so one of the biggest routines that changed because of what we found is my morning routine. And I think that I have listened to so many brilliant people talk about their morning routines and I've just ignored them. And guess what? You might listen to this and you might say good for her, but it's not for (laughs) me. But Trust me when I tell you that this has made the biggest impact on my life. So one, I do not sleep with my phone in the bedroom. We do not have any screens in our bedroom besides my Kindle. Um, And I realized that I was waking up and looking at my phone first thing. I would open up Instagram, open up Facebook, check my email before I even kissed my husband or put my feet on the ground to get out of bed. And that was causing me to consume content that was going to influence what I was going to create for the day. And it was also putting this sense of urgency within me. And that urgency was other people's stuff. It wasn't stuff that was actually going to move me closer to my goals. And so, I mean, have you ever opened your inbox and just like felt stressed? Like you feel like you're behind and you're like, (laughs) oh my God, I need to get to work right now, you know? Yes. And that's exactly how I lived for years is like I would wake up, check all the things and just get right to work because I felt this sense of urgency. And so, When I started sleeping with my phone not in our bedroom, and I do not go on my phone before about 10 a.m. now, 
I started to just feel more free where I could wake up. I would snuggle my dogs a little bit longer. I would read a little bit of a book that I was reading, whether it's leisure or business, get up, do a few sun salutations, move my body a little bit and go on a walk. Get outside. Remember how small you are in this universe. Get fresh air, get those endorphins. And so that started to become my routine in the morning. And what's incredible about it is it gave me those moments to really ask myself, like, what do I want to accomplish today? What's important to me today? Um, What is my energy level going to be today? And it has honestly made me so much more productive than when I got up and hit the ground running right at 8 a.m. I feel so much more rested and ready. And what's just so awesome about it is that I get those big things done better and faster because I'm not sitting there with my inbox open all day, chasing my tail with emails or putting out other people's fires. I'm focusing on putting the oxygen mask on myself Mm -hmm. first before I can help other people. And it has changed absolutely everything for me. That is such a great analogy about putting the oxygen mask on Mm -hmm. you first before other people and giving life to other people, people's agendas and things that they want out of you and It's almost like, did you find um, when you were implementing those new behaviors and changes into your morning routine, I mean, did you just wake up one day and it clicked and you were there? No. It is a struggle. (laughs) Yeah. So walk us through like your mental state and not just from like people who are trying to change their morning routine, but if we're trying to change anything, like not checking an inbox until 10 a.m. and like we're like addicted to it almost. Yeah. So I do not have a mail app on my phone anymore um, because I was realizing that, you know, seeing that number of notifications or new emails, like it was genuinely stressing me out. Mm. Um, And so what happens is, is my team gets into my inbox and usually just one person, she'll jump in right at 8am. And so by the time I get on at 10am, the emails that I need to respond to are the only emails that only I can respond to, which is generally like a handful. And so instead of seeing 50 new emails and having that take up my entire day, I see five and those five are usually quick to get back to. And so If you don't have a team, this principle still stands true for you is think about it. If you start emailing people back right at 8 a.m., you're giving them all day to get back to you so that you have to get back to them so that they can get back to you so that you can get back to them. All you're doing is emailing all day. And so, um, you know, creating this consistent routine, like today I deviated from it and I got up and worked out right away. I have been exhausted all day because I didn't give myself that time to wake up. I didn't give myself that time to set the intention. I jumped right into a super gruesome workout and then all day I've been lagging and dragging. And so I can totally tell when I stick to it versus when I don't. And as somebody who is really tired all the time, I have to preserve my energy and I have to really focus on where my energy is going into, whether that be my business, my marriage, my life, whatever that looks like. And so 
you have to make intentional decisions and you're not going to be perfect. And that's part of the journey. But if you can really start to think about like, how do I want my mornings to look? Do I want them to look frantic and frazzled or do I want them to look intentional and prepared? Um, and I challenge myself and I don't always stick to it. I don't think any of us are perfect by any means, but I can totally see when I am on and when I am totally off the tracks. Mm-hmm. How are some are like, how do you protect your energy when you find yourself at speaking events or in person? I mean, does that, what does that look like? It's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so something that's so interesting about me that so many people don't know, and I don't really talk about it often is, um, if you meet me, you would think I am a total extrovert and I am bubbly. I'm lively. I'm an open book to anyone that I can connect with. But I fuel up and I recharge by myself. And I think that so much of that has come from six years of working from home by myself, for myself, on myself. And so going and speaking at events is truly draining for me. It's exhausting. And I have set up different requests. So like I need to be somewhere for two nights. I'm not going to fly in, speak and fly out because then I'm just shot for the rest of the week. So I need Mm. time to acclimate to the time zone. I need my own hotel room so that I can have a place where I can just go and chill out. Um, And I just really need to like protect myself in terms of timing. So like I used to do those like 5am flights, which meant that I barely slept the night before. Um, And so it's just honestly... It feels like a bougie diva, like being like, no, 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 No. I need two nights and I need, but if I am giving up my time to something, I want to be fully present, fully on, fully awake for it. And those first couple years, I just didn't protect that. I didn't request that. And if you don't ask that, you're never going to get it. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's all about high performing. And if people want Mm -hmm. Jenna Kutcher to show up and speak and be the best version of herself, then, and if that's what Jenna needs in order to be able to do that, then I think that's, it's, I, I admire that, that you are, asking and that is something that you you require which feeds into the next question too is in the beginning stages of of business we can easily want to discount our prices we can oh, want yeah. to give things away for free so it would be i would love for you to share your your take on that and then share like share your journey and where you started now where you are and then how can some of my listeners or my listeners be able to mentally get themselves through to understand that their services are of value. Yeah. So I remember when I was first starting out as a photographer, I legitimately felt like a fraud. And I think that so many of us struggle with feeling like a fraud, no matter what stage of business you're in. I still struggle with that today because all of the things I'm doing in my life and in my business, I was never trained to do. But I think first we have to come from it at a place of nobody knows what they're doing (laughs) and we're all really good at making it look like we do. And so I remember when I first started out as a photographer, the way that I set my prices is I literally looked at other photographers' websites and I said, I'm better than this person, so I can charge more than them. I'm not as good as this person, so I'm going to charge less than them. But the truth is, is that pricing is an equation. It's not an emotion. And so often when we're passionate about what we're doing, we get emotional about it. It's only natural, but that doesn't come into play and it shouldn't come into play when it comes to what you charge for your 
your products or services. And so something that I always challenge people on, because I'll see Facebook threads where it's like, how much should I charge for this? And the truth is, is that you have to put an equation behind it. So how much do you need or want to make for the year? And how many hours are you committed towards working towards that goal? And what are different expenses that you're going to encounter? And you have to run the numbers. And I think for so long, we are afraid of our numbers. Like we don't really want to know, like, am I actually making money doing this? (laughs) And so what happens is you hit the end of the year and you look at all this work you've done and maybe you made a thousand dollars or maybe $10,000, but not at all what would really exemplify the amount of time and energy you put into something. And so What you have to do is you have to reverse engineer it. So my first year as a photographer, I said, I need to make $50,000 this year just to match my corporate salary so that I could quit Target. And I reverse engineered that. So I said, I need to shoot 25 weddings at $2,500. And that was how I set my initial price. I didn't set it versus what other people were charging. I knew that I had to charge at in order to meet my goal. And so what happens when you're just looking at what everyone else is doing, you don't see the back end. You don't see the back end of their lives. You don't see their expenses. You don't see if they have a spouse or a partner, how much they're contributing. You don't see their cost of living. Um, And so a lot of times when we're looking at stuff like that, we're not seeing the whole picture. And so it's so much better to put your head down run equations and stick to that because it can't be emotional. You are a CEO and you have to treat your business just like you are running that. Mm -hmm. And along the lines of that too, with when it comes to pricing and the value or being good enough, how do you move through mental chatter of self-doubt when you get ready to do something big and how has that changed over the past years of entrepreneurship for you? You know, I think that our inner dialogues can say so much about us, whether we're talking about our body image or our limiting beliefs or our belief if we are worthy of something. And I have really gotten a little woo-woo lately in looking at what that inner dialogue is and how I'm speaking to myself. Because I can be honest and say that if my inner dialogue was shared with the world, I'd be embarrassed of the things that I say to myself every day. And I feel like if we're really being honest, that Mm -hmm. would be the same for a lot of us. You know, we say things like you're fat or you're not worthy or you're not talented or you're not enough. And, and we tell ourselves these things day in and day out and we start to believe them. And so I think that we all are struggling. I think that there is beauty in acknowledging that as human beings, that we never figure it out. We never arrive. We never make it. We never feel done. And I don't think we're meant to. I don't think we're meant to feel complete on this earth. But what I think is so incredible about it is that we have the ability to shine light into those dark areas, into those fears and say, I see you. I acknowledge that you're there, but I'm not going to give you power anymore. We can never fully remove that negative 
yourself chatter, but we can make it a little less daunting and scary. And so to this day, I think that there are still so many things where I feel like, who am I to do this? Like this average girl in small town, Wisconsin, like who am I to think that I could change the world? Um, but I use those comments to myself as an ability to prove myself wrong and to just continue to show up. And I think that there's so much beauty in just simply showing up and believing that you are worth it, that you are capable. When I look at pricing, for example, I charge one of the highest prices in the state of Wisconsin for wedding photography, but that's because I know I'm worth it. And it's because I know that I have to charge that much in order to give people the experience that I really want to give them. And I also know that there's only one me and that while someone else might be able to find someone with a camera, they're not going to get the Jenna Kutcher experience. And I think that that comes with that belief that you are unique and that there is no other you. And I think that that is something that is so hard to learn and live out. Mm-hmm. I know. And when you, at the beginning, when you said to about the, some of the thoughts that we say to ourselves and if mm-hmm. they were written, if it was like a Sims game and you could yeah. see things above the head. I mean, I think we all definitely can agree. Like sometimes we're just, or at least for me, I'll say like, I'm just not nice to myself and mm-hmm. getting into the subconscious or really unpacking like, where the heck is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And why do I not feel good enough? But yeah. And, and like you said, just giving ourselves grace and knowing that we're not perfect, but to continue and showing up and doing the things that we can do. Um, Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. So one of the questions that I did get from a listener is that she asked that most people go through periods of zero motivation. How Mm -hmm. do you fight this when it comes to your business? And what do you do when you feel like you're losing your passion? I think that being an entrepreneur is seasonal. I think that there is a summer, a spring, a fall, and a winter. And I think that we have to prepare for each season. And what I realized, um, especially because now I run this multifaceted business, is that I needed break time from everything at a certain point in each year. And so How I started to set this up was, you know, I would shoot weddings all summer and then I would say after daylight savings time, I'm not taking on any photography clients to just protect my creativity and to preserve my passion. And once I had that time off, I was like fired up and ready to come back. And so what I think is so interesting as entrepreneurs is that a lot of times we create businesses around what we're passionate about. But when that passion becomes our work, we struggle to keep that motivation. And so we have to continue to give ourselves room to have passions that we're not profiting from. So for me, I realized like I used to love reading and then suddenly I was only reading entrepreneur books. And then suddenly I wasn't reading at all because I had so much work to do and who had time to sit around and read. Mm. But when I started to bring just reading for the heck of it back into my life, I started to realize, oh, like I can imagine things again. I can be creative again. This is actually helping me write better again. And 
So we have to start to figure out what balance can look like. And it's going to look different for all of us. And I think balance is a unicorn, but I think we should continue to pursue that unicorn, whatever that looks like. And so I think that every season of life, you're going to be focused on something more than the other things, whether that's a relationship or your business or pursuing a passion. And so nothing is ever going to be fully balanced. But when you can acknowledge that, then you can know that everything is seasonal. And so if you're going through a seasonal period of burnout, that's where you got to rely on the systems you've put up. There are definitely days where I wake up and I'm like, I don't feel like doing any of this, but I just jump into the systems that I've created and things keep running. And I think that it's so easy to look at successful people and think that you're constantly motivated, you're constantly passionate. But a lot of times I'm just continuing on what I've started and I'm waiting for that passion to strike. And I'm keeping an open mind and I'm keeping my margin in my life so that when that passion strikes, I'm ready to pursue it. And that's helped me pivot so many times in my business. It's helped me start different passion projects that then turn into a piece of the business. And it's also just given me this seasonal look at what being an entrepreneur is because at any given time, I'm only focusing on one facet of my business instead of trying to juggle all the things. Mm-hmm. And do you ever find um, maybe like internal when it comes to, let's say, goal setting when you are, there's like the feminine and masculine balance. Mm -hmm. So if you set a goal and it's not happening, do you ever, how do you navigate the, the road of saying, okay, this just isn't working Mm -hmm. and I need a pivot or I just need to keep going because it's going to work. You know, it's so funny that I run a podcast called the goal digger podcast (laughs) because I'm not a huge fan of goals. Um, because I feel like we have to be motivated to really want something. So it's not enough to say, I want to lose 10 pounds. It has to be enough to say, I want to feel good in my body so that I can get pregnant and have a child. Like you have to look at like, what is the driving force behind your goals, quote unquote. And if that driving force is not strong enough to make you get out of bed and work towards it, then you're probably not going to achieve what you want to achieve. And there have been so many goals this year that I've fallen short on, but I look at everything as an experiment, not a success or a failure. And if I'm never going to put those goals out into the universe, they were never even remotely going to happen. And so What I think is so interesting is looking at things not as a success or failure, but as an experiment. And with experiments, you can always change the different catalysts, the different components. And so for us, what I like to do is quarterly goals because it feels so much more attainable to me than sitting down and trying to hammer out what the entire next year of my life is going to look like. Because a year ago, I would have never guessed that I I would be here with you today. And so When I can look at things quarter by quarter, it makes the action plan so much easier to say this month we're doing this, this month we're doing this, and so on and so forth. And then I also just think putting those goals out into the universe, sharing them, breathing them into life because that makes it real and that really fires your motivation up to make something of that goal of yours. Mm I love that. So a couple couple last questions for you is where has been your biggest growth area during your journey of entrepreneurship? How have you grown the most? Yeah, I would say um, my ability to stay in alignment. And I think that um, for 
a while as my audience was growing and there were more eyes on me, I started to fall prey to the comparison game or, you know, looking a certain way or doing a certain thing. And I think that I have just really come into myself and owned my story, the good, the bad and the ugly and gotten bold in sharing it. And I think that so much of what we believe success is, is shaped by, you know, our textbooks or the the way that things show up in the world. And I never believed that I could be a successful businesswoman while also being a real human being. I thought I had to be buttoned up and put together and perfect. And what I think has been the biggest growth area is just my ability to stay in alignment to who I am and to own the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to share it in a way that creates true fans, not just grows followers. And so my tribe is the most incredible tribe of people ever. And I think it's just because I let them in to my life and not just into my business. Mm-hmm. If uh, Share with us maybe something that most people don't know about Jenna Kutcher. I would say that like I legitimately am an average human being. <laughs> like, um, I think that it's so easy to put people on pedestals, but like I genuinely just wake up and hang out with my dogs and I open up my laptop and I do that hard work and I just put it out into the universe and I watch crappy television and I go to bed. And, and I think that so much of what we lack in our lives is the belief that we're extraordinary. Mm. And I think that we see what is extraordinary about other people, but we never see what is, is great within us. And so it would have been so easy for me to say, there is no way you're going to build an empire. There is no way you're going to garner the attention of other people. You are the most basic blonde, white Wisconsin girl out there. And I think that you have to shut that down. Like there is something incredible about you and that your message should not change whether you have 100 followers or 100,000. If you're waiting for a platform to start changing the world, you already have a platform regardless of how many people are following you. And so you could scroll back through my feed and the message is still the same as it was when I started. And I think that that is the most transformative piece of me. And I think a lot of people... Um, don't understand how literally basic I am. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out in Wisconsin here, people. Right? Get some of the cheese. Yep, it's get the so cheese. Good. I used to, I'm originally from Dubuque, so we it was super easy to pop over to Wisconsin to grab some some oh, of the cheese curds. Um, so when you look at your life, it's we're coming up in 2018 and it's the end of 2018. What has happened for you personally and professionally? Um, when we talk about like business goals, uh, I am going to be winding down my wedding photography career, um, which is something we haven't really put out into the world. I don't want to disappoint a lot of brides that are getting married. Um, but you know, in our journey to start our family and the hardships that we faced, I've had to plan pregnancies around wedding season, and I'm just mm-hmm. ready to claim back my life. Um, and, and that's not to say I'll never be a wedding photographer again, but I just really acknowledge what's most important to me right now in this season. And that's just really in investing in what starting a family will look like, whatever that path leads us down. Um, 
in terms of business, you know, our, our big goal is to just continue to show up and serve. And my dream is just for other women to see what their potential is reflected through the things that I'm doing. And so, you know, we have been investing in just systems and balance. And I really am excited to create a team culture that encourages my team to do the same. I don't want anyone working around the clock. I don't want anyone, um, you know, constantly trying to reinvent the wheel. I really want us to look at how we can work smarter and not harder. And so that looks like, you know, taking a month off with my husband in Hawaii. That looks like walking the walk and talking the talk and having a start and an end time to every day. Um, because I truly cannot make the impact that I want to make if I am not fueling up myself first. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for your time and your energy. And you truly are an inspiration to so many women and admire how I just admire how vulnerable you are with everything about that you're going through with your life. And I know you mentioned your miscarriages that you had and just the way that you're doing business. And I really appreciate that. And I know my audience does as well. So um, to wrap it up, would you share where they can find out more information about you and connect with you and get all the good goodness and resources? Absolutely. Well, first, just thank you for having me. I did it my way for sure. Yeah, you um, did, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me at jennacutcher.com. We call that the mothership. All of the good <laughs> things that you need to find are going to be right there. Um, same with Instagram at jennacutcher. And I love other lady podcasters. I feel like there is nothing better in this life than sharing our audiences because us women, we got to stick together and we got to share audiences because guess what, guys? Like, you need shows every day of the week. I can gander. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Gold Digger podcast is a twice a week show, and I just love teaching on there just like you do on here. And so, I love um, just the medium of being able to bring conversations to life. Love it. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out SheDidItHerWay.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.